Hello, and welcome back to the North Georgia Blue podcast, produced and distributed by the Fannin County Democratic Party. I'm your host, Meryl Clark, and we're getting into some good trouble today with our special guest, Brian DiNapoli, co-founder of the NoLabels.org Atlanta chapter. Welcome to the show, Brian. We're happy you're here. Thank you, Meryl. Thank you so much. Well, let's let our listeners know a little bit about you. Brian DiNapoli is a graduate of the University of Georgia and is a passionate Bulldog fan. Go dogs! He is also the co-founder of No Labels Georgia, a chapter of the National No Labels Organization, advocating on behalf of bipartisanship in politics today. Brian has worked in the public sector throughout his career and is a native Atlantan and lives with his wife, Heather, and dog, Rosie. Indicator. He also enjoys watching Atlanta sports, hanging out with family and friends, speaking to young people to provide tips on preventing bullying and underage drinking, coaching football, and advocating for and on behalf of student athletes across our state. Well, oh my, Brian, you are a busy guy. So let's dive right in. Tell us about No Labels. Tell us about its mission, vision, and goals, and what led to your co-founding the Atlanta chapter. Yes, thank you. Thank you again for having me. So I reached out to the No Labels National Organization in 2018 because I just, like many of us, just got fed up with partisan politics. I was heavily involved with one political party. I won't mention their name. And I got into politics because I had an issue with alcohol when I was younger. Mm. And I quit in my late 20s and I needed a positive outlet. I was the kid in the back of the classroom afraid to ask a question. So I wanted to come out of my shell, have always loved public service and politics. So I started volunteering on campaigns and I really enjoyed that. I caught the political bug and that sort of catapulted me out of my shyness over the years. But it just became too extreme for me. And I heard someone once say, you know, I don't care about the left wing. I don't care about the right wing. I care about the bird. So I've always been more of a moderate. And back in, I guess it was 2015, just sort of left that. And I consider myself an independent and really felt like I didn't have anywhere to go. So I read about this no labels group and essentially they seek a third way in today's politics to encourage our elected officials to create common ground on our most pressing problems. So I reached out to the national group and they sent me a database of about at least 300 names and emails. And I sent a blast email to all of them. And I heard back from about 10 guys. Yeah, it was all males. It was interesting. So I met with them and it was at a Panera Bread Company in 2018, 2019. And we started planning on the next steps on how we can encourage our local officials to get involved in this and just encourage more bipartisanship across the state, including city council, just local members of the community. And several of us started making some plans. So we've had several different Zoom meetings throughout the years. And our first meeting was in 2020, right before the pandemic. We teamed up with a group called Fair Districts Georgia. And we worked with them. They advocate on behalf of fair districts. And we started with that. And then that was an awesome meeting. And unfortunately, then the pandemic hit. So we went virtual and we've had several virtual meetings on voting, affordable housing and combating opioid abuse. And of course, I mentioned the first one, encouraging fair districts. So yeah, we're an offshoot of the national group. I call ourselves a chapter. They're more nationally focused on legislative politics, but 
They do support us down in Georgia, but they don't necessarily have full-time staff. I'd like to call ourselves sort of a ragtag group of volunteers. Well, as you said, pre-show, definitely a grassroots movement, correct? Yes. And I've always been the person behind the scenes that's knocking on the doors, setting up the chairs for conventions, making the phone calls, handing out literature, handing out flyers. And I love that. I love team sports. I played soccer growing up and I coach kicking now at a high school indicator. And I've just always loved that camaraderie and that team aspect. And politics in a lot of ways reminds me of that. So it's really definitely a grassroots of the grassroots of the grassroots organization. So you also mentioned pre-show that you're working informally with the Georgia State Legislature, correct? Tell us about those efforts. Yes. So at the national level, they have a group called the Problem Solvers Work Group. And this is made up of 25 Republicans and 25 Democrats. I believe they were created around 2016 or 2018, around that time. And it's Democrat Josh Gottenheimer and the Republicans, Brian Fitzpatrick. And they've come together on issues like criminal justice reform, infrastructure, immigration. They were really behind the infrastructure bill that President Biden signed last year. So I thought of the idea, why not replicate this in Georgia and reach out to our local representatives in Georgia? So I've been trying to get them for the last couple of years to form this Problem Solvers Workgroup. So backing up a little bit, what they do in Congress, they meet on a monthly basis and just try to find common ground on issues. Just even little things like Brian Fitzpatrick and Josh Gottenheimer sat next to each other at the State of the Union. Mm. And I even encouraged them to do that in Georgia at the State of the State address that Brian Kemp recently did. But it has been a heavy lift trying to get them to form a subcommittee. I've learned from a lot of them that they don't necessarily have time to work on another subcommittee. So I thought of the idea of doing a press release, just encouraging them to come together and eventually try to form this problem solvers work group. So several representatives have agreed to it. And I'm still waiting on my state senator, who she definitely is behind bipartisan solutions, but I'm just waiting on her to see if she'd like to be a part of this press release. So definitely have some Republican and Democrat across the state. So excited about that and going to be ready to send that out very shortly. So the Problem Solvers Workgroup, and that's great, but the workgroup itself encourages bipartisanship. And how does that work with passing legislation? Well, I heard someone once say, just meet with the other party and get the ball rolling. What can you agree on? You know, we all agree prior to this infrastructure bill passing that we need our roads need repaired, bridges. There's just major flaws in the road system. So they came together and as part of them meeting monthly, and I think they eventually met with President Biden. This was at the national level, and he leaned on them heavily to get this passed. But in Georgia, They have come together last year, Speaker Ralston, who unfortunately passed away this year. He and Mary Margaret Oliver, a Democrat from Decatur, of course, Speaker Ralston was Republican. They came together on this mental health parity, and they were able to get that passed. You know, meeting health insurance covers both substance abuse and mental health conditions equally. So they were able to do that. So that's an example of an issue that both parties have common ground on. And there's another issue, opioid prevention. We did have a Zoom meeting back in 2021 or 2022 with several legislators. We had Republican Dr. Kay Kilpatrick and then a Democrat, Eric Allen. 
He ran for lieutenant governor, did not win, and he's currently not an elected official right now. But when he was an elected official, they were both on the call talking about how they were meeting on opioid prevention, on how to tackle that problem. Of course, you hear about fentanyl, just the terrible problem with that. And I think both of them were behind this new license plate that's coming out, or it may have came out already, to support people in recovery and preventing drug and alcohol abuse. So those are just a few examples. A couple other examples I just saw recently. There's a representative, John Carson from Marietta. He's a Republican. And there's a representative, Esther Pantic, again, is from Sandy Springs, a Democrat. And they came together on House Bill 30. They were behind that, which recognizes the definition of anti-Semitism. And they strengthen protections of those who might be affected by discrimination and hate crimes. And then just yesterday, I saw that the lawmakers, it was bipartisan, were coming together on ending taxpayer-funded trips. For elected officials. That's right, yes. Well, that's great. And I assume that if Republicans and Democrats start working together for the common good, that they may be able to reach agreement on other more contentious issues as well. And speaking of that, why do you suppose that our political landscape is so contentious right now? What are your thoughts on that? You know, I heard someone give a talk on that several years ago, and they were mentioning, for instance, in Washington, that the representatives just weren't meeting together. And you know, the families used to get together, and they both Democrat and Republican, and all of them, it was more camaraderie that they would go to different events and things like that. But now they're so busy with fundraising and this 24-7 cycle of raising all kinds of money for these campaigns that cost millions and millions of dollars that used to be a fraction of that cost 10 years ago. And even in Georgia, I know they used to, they had more bipartisan meetings several years ago, they would go to events together. But it sounds like that's slowly coming back with this mental health parity bill that was passed last year. But I just think it's just the pressure of campaigning and just how much money has gotten involved in politics and in the national level, not staying in Washington to get to know their fellow congresspersons well enough. It's difficult in this environment when you have someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene, <laughs> who's at the forefront of being so contentious and unwilling to work with the other side. And it seems that Kevin McCarthy has just given her everything she wants, including the gavel at one point to call the meeting to order. How do we work with extremists or how does no labels, I should say, work with these extremists on both sides? Well, back in the day, I think it was Ronald Reagan when Tip O'Neill came together and they said, you know, my 75% friend is not my 25% enemy, that they came together on a majority of issues, but they weren't going to. I also heard someone say they were enemies before 5 p.m., but then friends after 5 p.m. that they would come together, kiddingly. But no labels. They really concentrate on the middle, on the moderates. To my knowledge, from what I've learned from them at the national level, they essentially sort of write some of those extremists off because there's just that small minority in Congress, but they do cause most of the problems. I did hear someone once say that the moderates in a lot of ways are boring and it doesn't sell, unfortunately, but most people are moderate. Right. But they don't work with them because they just don't feel like they can gain any traction with them. But they wield so much power, especially in the House of Representatives today. So how do moderates plan to circumvent these folks that are intent on causing trouble and issues? 
So I know when I first started with this group back in 2018, they had something called the Speakers Project when Nancy Pelosi, I think around the time that she was reelected or elected Speaker of the House. Right. And I think they were behind the initiative that changed some of the rules. So some of these extremists could not hijack the process, but it may have changed when this new party took over. But I know several years ago, they were working behind the scenes to just have more common sense solutions and things like that. They were able to change some rules. That was a big initiative that they were behind that did help. Right. And that's great and good to hear. But it seems like every time the Republican Party takes over or extremists on the other side as well in the Democratic Party take over, that these rules keep changing. And it's a fluid landscape, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. And I know that's part of the frustration with the no labels, that once you do have a new party that takes over, they can sort of essentially just wipe the slate clean and and start over. So there is a thought within both sides of the party with people who are not necessarily moderates. Okay, let's say you've got a Trump Republican on one side and you've got an AOC, highly progressive Democrat on the other side. So what you're saying is that no labels doesn't deal with those people. They just deal with the moderates, correct? That's right. Yes. Which is the majority of voters in this country are moderates. So what you're saying is that in the no labels equation, both extremes are not dealt with. And what you're looking at is serving the moderates in the party, correct? Yeah, that's what we're trying to do with our group in Georgia. I know, for instance, you had someone like a Senator Warnock and Ted Cruz that came together actually last year, and they worked together on connecting key emerging technology markets and bases in Texas and Georgia. So they're on polar opposites, but they did come together. And this was part of the infrastructure bill. So that was a good example where you know two polar opposites did come together. I think there's always some room for even some of those extremists on both sides. It seems like there's always at least one issue. Like for instance, criminal justice reform in 2018, they did pass the First Step Act. And that was a Republican in Georgia that was behind that but had a lot of bipartisan support. Okay, so it is possible, although perhaps not with some of the social issues that we're dealing with. How do you bring people together on issues like abortion and guns? For instance, those are the two that pop into my head, guns and abortion. How do you bring people together on those issues? Or is it even possible in today's political climate? So I know Braver Angels, we've been working with them, and they do a really good job. They have a lot of trainings on essentially, you know, how can we disagree without being disagreeable Mm -hmm. with, you know, your uncle John, you know, Aunt Susie that are on complete polar opposites. Right. How can they come together? I think that they're a really good model for that, a group like Braver Angels. And I know I've done a little bit of volunteer work with the Brady Action Group. You know, Brady, who was uh, the press secretary under Reagan. Correct. He started the Brady Gun Prevention Group. And they've reached out to a lot of conservatives on just getting a some sort of device that will lock their glove compartments. Because my understanding, the majority of guns stolen are stolen from glove compartments. Really? That's what someone had mentioned to me over there at the Brady Group. So what they do is, I think somehow they may even go to some of these NRA meetings. They said that's the one place they have found some common ground that they're willing to, I guess, give them the device or the money to purchase the device. Right. This was about six months ago. I spoke to someone over there that mentioned that. That's extremely recent. Yes. 
And I know Braver Angels, I wasn't able to participate, but they did have some sessions on abortion, on how reds and blues, they call them, can come together. That's terrific. And at least discuss the issue. That's terrific. I expect that if you can at least bring people to the table, (laughs) right? If you can at least get them to the table and have them talk to one another, they can realize that the other person they're talking to is an individual and not the enemy. So it's just so important what you do. So moving on, one of your group's main goals is to create a community of advocates across our state. What does that mean to you and No Labels and how will you go about accomplishing it? So that's what we were doing. We were planning several you know, in-person meetings, but then the pandemic hit. And that's why we sort of transitioned, of course, to Zoom. But we have planned on doing some voter drives, you know, going to festivals and having literature on no labels and encouraging more members to join us. We definitely need more members. We have a small group of us. There's probably really, you can count on one hand that are doing 90% of the work. And so we definitely need to build an army and need more representatives. We were reaching out and we thought we were going to get her to join the National Problem Solvers Work Group, but she didn't win re-election, Carol in Bordeaux. Yes. She was behind the idea of joining the Problem Solvers Caucus. But we think someone like a Representative McBath, she might be open to it. So we were talking about reaching out to her at some point. She would definitely be a good one. How are you working to get people involved across the state of Georgia, not just in the legislature, but across the state? So we send out regular email blasts. Mm -hmm. We have our technology chair that sends out regular updates on what we're doing. For instance, that we're going to be sending out this press release to the press regarding this problem solvers work group idea. Okay, great. And so you're coming back from COVID. Are your plans changing? Are you planning on knocking on doors and meeting with people or what are your plans moving forward? That's a great question. So we might have a new leader of the program because I've been doing this for several years. I think it's always healthy to have someone new come in with some new ideas. But I'm definitely going to be helping the person, whoever is elected to that position. But I think some more in-person events and working with some other groups like the Spare Districts Georgia that I mentioned in the League of Women Voters, and even reaching out, going to the conventions, the Democratic Party convention, Republican Party convention, just seeing if we can go there and perhaps recruit legislators or even talk to members of both parties that would be interested in forming coalitions that can build common ground. Oh, that's terrific. And I love the fact that you work with so many other groups with similar goals as well, which is heartening to me, because as I mentioned, all the contention in our political discourse today. I also wanted to ask you just on a personal level, tell us about why you decided to get involved with advocating for young people. You do so much work with high school students and working with student athletes and providing tips on preventing bullying and underage drinking, which of course you have a personal reason for doing that. But tell us more about your advocacy and how that came about and what you're doing. Yes. Yes. No, thank you. Well, I'm open about it. I've self-published a book on my experiences with with bullies and drinking, which the bullying directly led to a problem with alcohol. Mm. And again, I think I mentioned at the beginning, I was that shy kid in the very back of the classroom. I was just even terrified to ask a question. I was was a little guy and a real easy target. And it was fine during elementary school, first through seventh. But then when eighth grade, when I was in high school, it was eighth grade. So I heard someone once say, like taking the 
hayride to elementary school, but then hopping on the prison bus to high school. Yikes. And I'm the youngest of, I grew up with three older brothers and my next oldest brother, who I was sort of my bodyguard, unfortunately, he's not with us today. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. But he was very popular and athletic and he went off to college when I started in high school. So just had a problem immediately with bullies, just being small, shy and an easy target. And that just sort of escalated, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth were just, and back then no one talked about it, it was swept under the rug. I was really embarrassed. I didn't want to tell my dad or my brothers or anyone. So I just sort of kept it all in throughout all those years. But I know that wasn't the right thing to do, but that just sort of built up a huge chip. I call it a boulder on my shoulder. So I wanted to try to fit in and hang out with the popular kids, that kind of thing. So I started drinking when I was a junior in high school and I just wasn't mature enough. Right. That's just too young to drink anyway. And the problem just got worse and worse. And I just, it was like Russian roulette. Didn't know what I was going to do. I would black out. So it just was a constant struggle for me. And then I saw the light one day and I quit in my late 20s and I have not turned back. So I've just had this passion to reach out to young people. My stories aren't sensational. I think they're relatable to encourage them that they don't have to have alcohol to have fun, that there's so many more outlets and so many more great things you can do. And it just can steal your hopes and dreams. And it did that in a lot of ways for me. I don't want to look back, but I look back on my days at UGA and I could have taken advantage of so much more. Fortunately, I had best friends, still my best friends today that sort of took me under my wing and helped me. And all my best years and best times at UGA were not drinking. Mm. And I love Georgia football, I mentioned. So just going to the game sober the first time with my wife and friends and everyone is the greatest on a nice fall Saturday. So I have just had this passion to give back to young people and the community and public service. So that's why I started coaching several years ago because I wanted to kick in high school because I love soccer and football and I never did. I wasn't confident enough to do that. And this is my way of sort of giving back and encouraging the young people to take that chance, take some risk. And kicking is an interesting position because there's a lot of pressure on you because every time you're essentially up, there's either an extra point or a field goal. You know, there's points at stake outside of the kickoff. So that's another passion of mine doing that. And just have always loved sports. I created a website called NIL Insight which provides resources on mental health, preventing drug and alcohol abuse, academic, financial, volunteer resources. So I have a bunch of different resources on there. It's really a passion project I started along with name, image, and likeness resources I I have on there too. So it's just something I like to do. As someone said, you know, if you want to get something done, ask a busy person to do it. So (laughs) always done better when I'm busy. Well, congratulations on your sobriety. Thank you. That speaks volumes about your character. Good for you. And what is that website address in case any of our listeners are interested? It's NIL, which stands for name, image, and likeness, and then insight, I-N-S-I-G-H-T dot com. Right. I also have a website for preventing bullying and underage drinking. It's my name, Brian DiNapoli, B-R-I-A-N-D as in David, I-N-A-P-O-L-I. So I have those two websites that that I keep up. Yes, I imagine there would be some parents or grandparents listening that might be interested in taking advantage of your resources. So thank you for doing that. And what is the website for No Labels? If people want to get involved, donate, volunteer, how does that work? Is that a 5013C? 
or a 5014? It is not. We're sort of just a grassroots version of the national group. So we're sort of under their umbrella. We do have a Facebook page. You know, it's facebook.com forward slash groups, G-R-O-U-P-S forward slash no labels, Georgia spelled out. But we're also on Instagram and Twitter. And that's no labels, Georgia, Georgia spelled out on IG and Twitter. And our email address is no labels. Georgia, spelled out Georgia, at gmail.com. Okay, terrific. So people can get a hold of you that way as well. So Brian, if you've listened to our podcast, (laughs) you know this is coming. Tell us a fun fact about yourself. And you've shared so many personal aspects of your life. And thank you for that. And I know that's difficult to do, but obviously it's turned you into the person you are today, giving back, which we really appreciate. But tell us something fun, not necessarily related to no labels or your advocacy work. Tell us something fun just about you. Oh, yeah, sure. It's something fun. We had to share this at work uh, about three months ago, and I shared it. I've been an extra in a couple movies. That was just sort of a bucket list type thing. It was a Tyler Perry movie. Then there was a TV show called Savannah. So that was fun. I just wanted to try it. And it's interesting. You'll be at this shoot for about eight hours, and then, yeah, it may be five minutes or less than three minutes of film. So it was just sort of fascinating to be a part of that. But that's, yeah, it's something fun that I did. Oh, that sounds like a blast. It was. And with all the movies you're making in Georgia, there's tons of opportunities to, to do that kind of stuff. So were you actually acting or? No, no, I was in, it was a hospital scene. I was in the background, but it was interesting you know, just be an extra. There was all these sort of wannabes that were really into it and had agents. And I'm thinking, I just sort of showed up and I think I sent a picture and I didn't take it too seriously. And I just had more fun with it. But the ones who did just didn't seem like they were having fun. But I thought it was cool. They gave you a really nice prime rib dinner type thing. So that was kind of cool. I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we'll work for a free meal, right? That's right. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Brian, for joining us today and sharing more about your critical work to advance bipartisanship. I'm Meryl Clark, and on behalf of our team, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the North Georgia Blue Podcast. Join us next time when we chat with Megan DeRosiers, president and CEO of 100 Miles dedicated to conserving Georgia's coastline. To learn more about us and the work that we're doing, visit us online at FannonCountyGeorgiaDemocrats.com. Share the North Georgia Blue podcast with your friends and family. Be sure to subscribe and follow. And if you enjoy our podcast, be a founding patron and friend of the show at NorthGeorgiaBluePodcast.com slash patron with three different giving levels to choose from, offering cool swag, recognition on the show and website, and valuable gift cards to help us continue getting into more good trouble.